As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to a mobile edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. Sam Amick is in the car. He just watched Warriors Jazz. This should be a, this should be a fun little uh, night ride podcast. Slater, the car to your right is not using headlights at all. That's or somewhat concerning. Lights. Or taillights. <laughs> Let's be careful here, brother. No, it's, this is, I think, athletic podcast history here. Has there been a mobile podcast ever? Well, I've done some while I'm driving home. Like Marcus will call me, and like it'll be over Skype. But and I also uh, did one with Ethan Strauss. I remember one time driving across I, I, like I the Bay feeling, Bridge. I was feeling special for a minute, but I'll find some other point of inspiration. I'm happy to be here. You were nice enough to give me a ride home. We watched the Warriors barely eke out a win against the Jazz. The Rudy Gobert list jazz in the past couple of minutes or the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I was going to say the past couple of minutes. Um, yeah, you know, we can get into the game. To me, a um, few things. I want to talk three Warriors topics. Uh, number one, Steph Curry and his shooting slump, extended slump. It's really two months long now. It, it dates back to me to before, like, like the five-game lead-up to when he broke the record, right? Remember? Uh, they thought he was – could he get 16 in the game? And he kept going, like, well, three of 14, you know, whatever. Um, but even post that, I mean, like, there's been a couple, like, big games spotted within that. But generally, he's been a really inefficient three-point shooter for now, running on, on two months, including in January. He just dipped below – 30% and uh it, which he was one of 13 tonight uh and he's so that would make him I believe 35 of 117 this month which is just you know it's very un Steph Curry sure he goes through like rough patches throughout a season but this uh is the longest slump of his career and um you know we can get into different reasons for it I don't know did you uh, were you uh listening to his post game I did listen to some of it. It was getting piped into the media room where I was sitting in the back. I mean, I'm the guy, obviously, who's not around the team every day, certainly always paying attention. One of my takeaways, you know, I'm watching the last couple minutes next to our guy Marcus Thompson. And Marcus, as he has frequently written, is going crazy over the idea that, 
you know, he wants Steph to be on the ball more. And, and, you know, Marcus is preparing for his next career as an NBA assistant coach, talking about how to get Steph out of this slump. But it was, it didn't really strike you, you know, you're watching the end of the Jazz game. And I know we're not really drilling down on the Jazz game, but even in terms of a theme, you know, Gobert's not on the court and the Warriors are, for the most part, still launching from long range when you should certainly be attacking the rim with a rim protector like that off the court. And it just shows you that, you know, they're trying to navigate this you know ethos that they have which is obviously they shoot the hell out of the ball but if it's not dropping with Steph being the poster boy of of that problem at this point then you got to find other ways Um, but you know you and I have both covered him a long time and this is 100% like one of the more memorable slumps that he's had and the fact that it comes right after he got the all-time or you know like you said before he even hit the all-time mark from three is is kind of fascinating psychologically you know how much of this is is kind of that sense that you know he, he accomplished something that he never thought he could accomplish like what what is going on with Steph when it comes to just not finding the bottom of the net yeah I mean look there could be several different theories or reasons and uh, contributing factors um, you know he looks he has looked a little mentally tired at times this season I think he's facing different defensive pressure on a nightly basis than ever again I've said this several times on different podcasts but like teams are like have become more and more willing to sell out do the Nick Nurse style defense on him just like every team does it essentially um also I just think you know he's just missing open shots um he is getting older we'll see I mean maybe uh you know five years from now we view this as the time where his three-point percentage did start to take a dip uh but then the other thing is and this is this is much more of a of a you know an issue in the last like five games or so. But he landed on his hand hard in Charlotte, his shooting hand, or not in Charlotte in Chicago, uh, missed the game because of it. Actually left the road trip early, then got back in the first game of the homestand. He jammed his left middle finger pretty hard, had to leave the game briefly, uh, and he's had it taped. And I was out there pregame, and he was really missing it. Like, he was missing a ton in pregame, and he kept looking at his hand, fidgeting with it. He even stopped his routine, had Bruce Fraser come over, and he was kind of picking at his left middle finger, the guide hand. Um, there, then he had, he called Leandro Barbosa over a little later in his workout routine, and he was telling Barbosa to, like, slap at the ball. And he was, like, basically, you know, like, doing rip-through moves and having Barbosa, like, he kind of hit his hands like a defender might. Um, and I don't know if that's kind of, you know uh, – thrown his shot off a little bit I tried to prod at him a little bit post game and talk about is it a mechanical thing is it a you know how are your hands feeling he's like they're attached to my body and it and as if it's a mechanical thing he was like I'm not you know I'm not making excuses like he will not to me even the way he like kind of danced around my question I think it's clear like he know like he's trying to fix something he's just not detailing to us what it is and I think some of it's physical some of it might be mental but some of it just like I just don't think mechanically he's happy with where his shot is I mean first of all that's great color by you that's why you're good at your job is you're always paying attention but it also makes me wonder if we're trying to kind of dissect his mindset and what's going on with him the context I think is worth reminding people of you got Draymond out with a calf injury for quite some time it, it appears 
with some relation to his back. You know, you got Clay Thompson trying to get comfortable after his two-year-plus absence. If, if I'm Steph, you just you probably feel like this is not the time to take any time off, to worry about yourself. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Kind of what you're alluding to is that he's fighting through a lot, and, and maybe that is playing a part. You know, the age thing, I mean, I you know, I don't know. As an aside, I feel like I watch Ray Allen shoot that thing until he's pretty darn old. Shooters shoot until they're old. And so I don't anticipate Steph falling off like this in relation to age anytime soon. Um, the, the physical stuff would make more sense. And then just the rhythm stuff team-wide and the idea that they had this kind of this joy ride early on this season where they declared to the rest of the NBA that they were title contenders again. And then it's gotten really crunchy ever since then as they figure out this new landscape. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson missed this game because of knee soreness, um, which apparently he just got to shoot around. He went through walkthrough, I should say walkthrough. Um, and must have said something to Celebrini because Celebrini then went over to Steve Kerr, who didn't even know Clay was dealing with any type of knee soreness, and said, let's hold Clay tonight. I wouldn't ring the alarm bell until you see if he's playing Tuesday or not. It sounds to me like it's a, it's a cautious thing, uh, but we'll see. If, if this absence extends any longer, it is the surgically repaired knee. Now, that was two major injuries ago, and at this point, two and a half years ago. Uh, but... Uh, that should be noted. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's an offensive wide struggle. I mean, they 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 only scored ninety four points tonight. They only scored eleven points in the fourth quarter tonight. Now they won because again, even without Draymond right now, like they're just finding ways to get it done defensively, um, which really kind of brings me to topic two. It's what I wrote about. Um, I wrote about the center position. I wrote about Kavon Looney. I think he's a he's a major underrated key to the season, essentially. But kind of what I reported tonight, like they they don't plan to add a center, and uh, you know they came into the season already kind of short on centers with this idea that they were going to play small. Draymond Green was going to play a bunch of minutes at center, and also they used the number two overall pick two drafts ago on James Wiseman. Like they wanted to have a clear path for him to get minutes. Um, so they didn't add, assuming he'd be back probably December, I think was like kind of a conservative expectation, obviously because of the knee scope, because of just, uh, the stalled nature of his rehab, he's still not even doing full contact drill. So he has played zero minutes this season. Draymond, as you alluded to still out with the kind of a vague timeline at this point, I'd say indefinitely, you're probably thinking the earliest you see Wiseman would be post all like right at the, you know, after the all-star break. Draymond probably on a similar timeline. We'll see. But at this point, they only really have one center. It's Kavon Looney. And the funny thing about Kavon Looney is, like, he was the non-durable expected or, like, option. You know, he's two major surgeries in his career. Had neuropathy that derailed a season a couple years ago. Like, has never really been able to be relied upon for heavy minutes. Suddenly, he's played in this COVID-stricken season. He has played all 47 games. Um, and he's been really good. He's rebounding at a career rate. When he's on the floor and Draymond Green's off, they still have a 103 defensive rating. He was good tonight, uh, had the, the putback late and one putback that kind of sealed it. And uh, I just, I mean, it, it's interesting. It, 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 it's He's kind of saved their front office in a sense of, like, it was a kind of risky plan to go into the season knowing that, 
he really, for a while, we're only going to have Looney and Draymond, and it turned out to be longer than they expected at center. And now you don't have Draymond, and you could say, well, maybe part of the reason you don't have Draymond is because the wear and tear of playing the center position. But they're able, to, they're 34 and 13, and able to not add a current center because Looney's just been there and been good. I'm getting more and more nervous for Looney the longer you talk about his health. I feel like you're jinxing everything right now. You know, a couple weeks ago I wrote about the Phoenix Suns and how COVID had not impacted their roster. They just had this incredible run of health, and lo and behold, that ended quickly after I wrote the column. So the superstitious part of me is is hoping for Caban's sake that this continues. But it is interesting, like in the West in particular, you see some of these teams where – you know, the addition of a backup big has just been just massively helpful. You know, JaVale McGee, former Warrior, doing great things in Phoenix when DeAndre Aiden was down. Um, you know, out in Denver, former Warrior DeMarcus Cousins just getting added because the, the Nuggets know that the second Jokic comes off the floor, you know, they just have been falling off a cliff. So the Warriors are playing with fire, I think, with that choice. I do understand it. But the combination of Draymond's injury and, and Wiseman taking longer means that it's it's dicey. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know what candidate you would highlight in terms of a possible 10-day type guy to, you know, to take a crack at in the interim. So I'm not trying to pretend there's some better solution out there. But, you know, they obviously got to keep their fingers crossed that Looney stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, look, Marcus Gasol has recently hinted uh, through, well, I think, some type of European outlet that maybe, like, an NBA return down the line is possible. He's always been a name that, like, you know, particularly within a Steve Kerr system, has intrigued the Warriors. I know they went after him a couple summers ago. Uh, Paul Millsap, they, they kind of uh, batted around the idea this summer. He ended up going to Brooklyn. Clearly that hasn't worked out. I don't believe there's any current interest in Paul Millsap because he just didn't look very good in Brooklyn. Uh, Jordan Bell, they brought into camp as an extra camp body, and he's in, you know, he had got a 10 day with Chicago, but he's now back with Santa Cruz. So to me, he's like always been uh, the body that, the bigger body that knows the system if you ever needed just minutes. But the truth is, they, ha- they have this 15 man roster that's all filled up with guys they like for various reasons. And, and you'd ask, like, you know, who, whose roster spot is vulnerable? Well, Gary Payton II it ha- got the 15th spot, right? That roster spot is not vulnerable. Like, that he is very safe. So then you start looking at, like, the Bielitsa, the Damian Lee, the Juan Toscano Anderson. And I just don't think they, I, I just believe that. First of all, they, they've come to prioritize wing depth more than big depth. They used to be the team that had all, you know, six bigs. Remember Zaza and JaVale and all these different setters they got. That's just not how they're building their roster anymore. So um, it just seems like they are more interested in, like, well, Wonk Toscano Anderson can kind of be an energy small ball power forward. And Damian Lee, who you saw tonight, came in and made four threes. And, and Bielitsa, while he's been up and down uneven really not that good lately uh, I think they prefer his floor spacing and his skill is kind of a stretch big uh, even though he's not certainly not a defensive center uh, over a 10-day big that can maybe help them win a game or two in the next 10 games because the other reason is you know they have they can be patient they're 34 and 13 and they're finding ways to beat the Utah Jazz tonight um, so as long as particularly Draymond gets back, but even Wiseman, I think there's still a belief that at some point he could eat some minutes. Um, They want to allow that runway for those guys to come back and not 
touch a roster, which, by the way, you would be adding more to a tax bill if you did. I have a quick kind of, you know, obligatory national question since you and I, you know, I kind of come and go every couple weeks on the Warriors front. You're there every day. Has your perspective changed in the past few weeks regarding the question of, you know, the Warriors being title contenders, the Warriors being that upper crust, you know, that the hype was becoming very, very real early on with myself included where it was like, damn, I guess these guys have done it. They're back, you know, and they're right there with Phoenix and right there with Milwaukee and Brooklyn if they're healthy. And But if you were handicapping things a few weeks ago, probably picking the Warriors. This is the team that won three titles, went to the finals five years in a row. And Steph, you know, before, you know, wasn't in the slump part of his season. So for you, though, I mean, has it changed the uh, the outlook there? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. They're a contender still. Uh, they're certainly an upper-crust contender for sure. But like they, you've, Let me add a quick addendum. They just struggled. I know they have no clay, no Draymond. It's really hard to, to kind of assess. But watching them struggle to beat a Jazz team without Donovan Mitchell and without Gobert on the court in the past few minutes, you know, it, it does jump out at you a bit. This was a, a slog of a game. Yeah, it's been a slog of a month for them, really. Um, but I, I, I think their offensive issues are real. I think that um, Draymond's health and this, this kind of – uh, odd injury he has should cons- like to me like if, if you even ha- forget having Draymond or not if you even have a compromised Draymond Green um, that takes you away from contender status because part of the reason they were so I remember talking to somebody this is before Draymond was out of the lineup like they were probably 18 and 2 at the time or something like that when they started crazy hot and their belief at the time was they would be 500 if Draymond Green wasn't around and like that is how impactful his defensive attitude brain and offensive just kind of organization and passing had been to them so I think as we you know think about this stretch I mean I I I do think his absence is like very much the reason why they've hit a malaise Uh, also as you know were me and you now are kind of trying to to reconstruct what we think about them because like you said it it the it, it's crazy how quickly the expectations skyrocketed right because coming into the season you were like it felt optimistic to consider them a four seed oh, yeah. it was like oh you know like maybe they could be four or five um part of the um 
skyrocketing belief was, wow, this is how good they look without Clay Thompson. Wait till they get Clay Thompson. Well, clearly we underrated the uh, integration of Clay Thompson. He looks good physically. He's not shooting well at all. It's something I've definitely talked about. But also, like, just the ripple effect of, like, the rotational aspect of it. And, look, you saw tonight Jordan Poole started because Clay Thompson missed the game. Jordan Poole looked like early season Jordan Poole. 20 points, you know, had a couple step backs on Rudy Gobert. looked really good. That has not been the Jordan Poole that's shown up as six-man Jordan Poole. And, like, you know, Andrew Wiggins was getting some all-star buzz, mostly from the Warriors. It's, you know, PR apparatus, which is quite a uh, leg of the organization. Um, but he was having such a good season because he was just getting all this offensive responsibility. To me, he's quieted offensively in the kind of a period that they've they've integrated Clay. So I think you're just seeing some of that. And then obviously, like, look, if Steph Curry is going to be a 29% three-point shooter, which he's been in January on a high volume of attempts, they're going to be a really bad offense. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I think – to wrap up the point or I guess answer your question yes I do believe they're still one of the top level contenders is I think Steph Curry is going to break out of it in some way I at this point I'm believing Draymond Green will be back um and like you know back to his early season form they're going to need that and then Clay Thompson like you would expect whatever April Clay Thompson looks like and the ripple effects to be smoother than they are right now I mean I'm, you know, reiterating your Draymond point. Draymond getting back will settle everything down. And if you're Clay, for example, it's got to be such a bummer to be navigating these new waters without Draymond, who's like a total security blanket for you on both ends of the floor. And so that's a, a major factor. But it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that media group where because we bounce from team to team, high, you know, it's kind of like the the hype meter is part of my daily routine like what do we think and what's the buzz on different squads and players so it is noteworthy and interesting to me that even though I agree with you that they are still title contenders we have literally gone from asking the question like man like is Steph going to be MVP and Draymond's going to be defensive player of the year and like they're going to sweep everything and to a very different narrative but it's also a reminder and this never ceases to amaze me is that the game itself is an extremely complicated and nuanced game. It's part of the reason I love it is that, you know, you think that you see things on paper that should be great, you know, like when the Lakers have Dwight Howard and Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant and you think, like Sports Illustrated put on their cover, this is going to be fun. And then it's a train wreck, you know. Jordan Poole is an extremely different player than Andre Iguodala. And I make that comparison to say that if you go back to, you know, vintage Warriors winning championships, their sixth man at that time was a guy who accentuated everybody else's strengths, was a glue guy, was an extremely good defender, and he checked a bunch of different boxes than Jordan does. Jordan is a guy who, uh, again, we always get reminded in basketball, there's only so many shots, and a young guy having to figure out how to be more of a Jordan Clarkson type for the Warriors, you know, Clarkson with the Jazz, you know, has won a six-man-of-the-year award and has, has been a bucket-getter. The Warriors aren't used to having that role be a six-man. You know, that's not what Andre did. You know, now Andre's a ninth guy. But, you know, that's that's where the whole Jordan, Clay, Draymond, Steph chemistry, uh, you know, for their sake is going to hopefully get there. 
but right now they're having to work through it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and part of that equation, where particularly with Draymond out, was thought to be Jonathan Kaminga. And, uh, you know, Kaminga had the really good road trip, end of the road trip, had 30, he even played 33 minutes in Minnesota. He was earning, like, uh, a, a lot longer of a leeway or leash, whatever, from, from Steve Kerr to, to make mistakes and go out there and impact the game and, and stay on the floor. And then Steve Kerr comes back to the homestand, starts Kaminga, which was a surprise, and then post game says the plan is to keep Kaminga starting while Draymond Green is out. Kaminga has not started the last two games. And to be honest, uh, you know, I, I should have asked post game today. It's just slipped my mind. There was other stuff to, to, to uh, discuss with Kerr. I wish I did ask because then I would have more of an explanation from the head coach himself. But uh, it's, it's kind of generated plenty of questioning, kind of, uh, I guess, around uh, the Warriors. Like, why isn't Kaminga starting? He's instead started Jordan Poole at the two and Otto Porter at the four the last couple of games. My belief, because just, you know, reading. Uh, the the rhythm and some of the stuff that Kerr has said is that when Clay is in the lineup, I would expect Kaminga to be the four because Clay is that floor spacer at the two. Uh, but when Clay's out of the lineup, uh, I think he likes Otto Porter at the floor at the four for this extra spacing because that's why he's already said that um, you know because Clay doesn't play both sides of back to backs and neither does Otto Porter. He's decided whichever game Clay misses, Otto Porter will play because. I mean, they've just prioritized spacing this year. I'm not necessarily sitting here asking you a question, Sam. I just wanted to get that uh, out there because that is what my belief is the reason that suddenly Kaminga, who was supposed to be starting uh, in Draymond Green's place, hasn't the last couple games. I think that's because Clay hasn't been in the lineup. Well, I know there's not a question there, but but you do have me thinking about this kind of silver lining perspective on the Warriors. Rudy Gobert tonight, I chatted with him after the game, right? And I was asking Rudy about all the Jazz struggles and their adversity, Donovan Mitchell and concussion protocol, COVID situations, injuries. They've been through a lot in the last month. I was kind of struck by Rudy's rosy perspective on the idea. Here's the idea in in the thread that connects to the Warriors. Rudy talked about how, listen, last year, we had a pretty smooth run in the regular season. We had the top seed in the West. We kind of were feeling ourselves. And what did it get us? You know, when we got to the playoffs, we weren't really battle-tested. You know, we hadn't got through a lot of adversity. And, and he thinks that from a character standpoint, that a lot of these challenges will actually help them in the long run. The Warriors, I think, can relate because all of the imperfections that we are chronicling here in this conversation are the types of things that are maybe good problems to have. Eventually, Kaminga is a consistent producer and part of the rotation. Eventually, Clay finds his way. Eventually, Draymond's healthy doing what he does, and Steph finds his shot, and Jordan is a, is a comfortable six-man. So, the, you know, the potential is there on all these different fronts, but it has definitely made for a layered and complex and interesting Warriors season as opposed to just us basically shrugging and saying wow I guess they're back yeah uh last thing I want to talk to you about was just generally the Warriors Jazz matchup because this very easily could be like a good second round series um the Warriors and Jazz have now played twice this season Warriors won both without Draymond the more impressive of those two was in Utah uh I think about yeah I believe it was New Year's Day uh and 
Utah had everybody that night except, you know, Hassan Whiteside. But, you know, they had Donovan Mitchell. They had Gobert. Gobert actually played really good in that game. I remember Otto Porter had a huge night. Uh, but they're 2-0 now against Utah. This, I guess, was the least impressive of those uh, because no Donovan Mitchell was around. But still, you know, they to me, what showed up in the matchup tonight and the reason why I, I don't think Utah – matches up that well against the Warriors. Utah doesn't force turnovers. Uh, I looked at it worse in the league. Few They, they uh, cause the fewest amount of turnovers. I think it's 11.9. Most teams in the top level are causing you know, 15-16 a game. Uh, that's when the Warriors are at their most vulnerable. That's why the Warriors are 1-2 against the Memphis Grizzlies this season. Memphis is active, long, young, getting in passing lanes, being physical. I mean, the Jazz still have generally a solid defense obviously that's built on Rudy Gobert kind of controlling the back line but it's not really the type of defense that like you know pokes at the Warriors soft spots um and I just think you saw that tonight I think at one point late third the Warriors had four turnovers in the whole game and it was like whoa I mean this is a team that recently had 21 against you know the Pistons and um you know how sloppy they can get uh, and it's just I, I I I this matchup is interesting and I do think but I'm starting to feel like the Warriors wouldn't mind it as like a 2-3 second-round matchup. Winner gets Phoenix. Yeah, no, those are good Jazz points. I just wonder. I'm, I'm very curious to see if the Jazz roster looks different after the trade deadline on February 10th. You know, I do get the sense that they are in the market for some aggressive, active defenders, like the type of wing players that – you're kind of talking about that they don't have. Mike Conley is a very solid defender. He's been a high-level defender for a long time. But at this stage, like, I think solid is what you would describe him as. You know, but then, you know, Donovan Mitchell is an offensive first player and a guy who's improved on the defensive end, but, you know, not necessarily a high turnover guy defensively. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is, you know, not a strong defender. So, Rudy on the back line, like you said, Royce O'Neal being the closest thing they have to a stopper. Uh, but I just don't know if the roster is going to change. You know, Joe Ingles' name has been out there quite a bit. You know, he is for sure somebody who's who's going to be part of trade discussions. And you know, you're hitting. If the roster does look the same, it's it's an uphill battle for the Jazz because Draymond finds ways to frustrate Gobert. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of takes some of his superpowers away. And, you know, the Warriors shooting, if it does come back, is the kind of thing that, that complicates things for Quinn Snyder. So I'm with you. I think as currently constructed, I'd be picking the, the Warriors, and we'll just see if uh, if there are changes coming, though. Yeah, I mean, look, there's like kind of a top four in the West because Memphis has, like, you know, bullied their way into that discussion. To be honest, the Mavericks, who the Warriors will see on Tuesday, uh, are starting, who have beat Memphis twice recently pretty handily, are starting to try to enter the conversation. And, and maybe that's something, conversation I should have Tuesday post that game. But let's just, you know, if you're just considering this top four that Memphis is now cracked, to me, Utah of those four is the one that is most desperate to make a win now move at the deadline because Phoenix seems solid, sturdy. They got their, you know, 
uh, steady rotation. They're clearly a contender. The Warriors are not going to mortgage their their young assets. Uh, I expect them to be very quiet at the deadline. Memphis could, you know, Memphis could make a big swing that shocks us all and, and you know, kind of try to fast forward their timeline a bit, but they certainly don't have to, right? They can stay a, a patient approach. Utah feels like they got to do something because it not only does it feel like they're a, a little bit too flawed to be a true title contender, they also are just seeing like an era fading away from them a bit. Yeah, I, I'm with you there for sure. Like if they... I love the human component of covering the game. And if they if they don't have hope after this season that they are still truly title contenders, I could see, you know, the connective tissue of this group kind of withering away, if that makes sense. You know, Rudy and Donovan and the rest of them, they've been through a lot. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at it like a marriage, you know, they were at the epicenter of COVID within the NBA with Rudy's situation donovan getting it too friction between the two of them you know our kind of infamous unsalvageable story and to their credit you know they they worked through all that and they got it to a place where they were a dominant regular season team and they they have still held on to some of that hope in the postseason that they could be a champion and that's how they went into this season but if they flame out if they don't convince anybody that they're for real it does feel like in the summer then who knows? Maybe one of these guys, you know, says, I think I'm done with this chapter, you know. And, um, I, I think that's something you analyze across the board. Quinn Snyder's, you know, been through a lot with this group. So question marks with them if they fall flat. Uh, you know, right now that's not where their heads are at, but but I could see it being there if, if things don't go well. All right, Sam Amick, I appreciate you coming on. If people want to hear more of us talking about basketball, they can listen to the Athletic NBA show on what, Tuesday mornings is when we hop up. we got to talk again tomorrow. I mean, we might uh, get into some of the same stuff, but tampering on Tuesday's Athletic NBA show feed. And as far as Warriors Plus Minus goes, me, Marcus, and Tim, I believe, are doing an episode on Wednesday. Uh, Post-Mavericks game, which should be a good one. Dallas is coming. Dallas is coming. Surprisingly, they're coming with Luka not really playing MVP caliber ball. His shot's been down. He's actually been good defensively, which is counterintuitive. They've been really good defensively. I believe they have, like, the third best defense in basketball now. Jason Kidd doing a little coaching out there in the post-Rick Carlisle era, showing that he's, he's got some of those skills that the Lakers could probably use right about now. With Jared Dudley on staff. Yes. Of Jared Dudley. Not good stuff. Thanks, brother. Yep. All right. Talk to you later.